0: Guys, we just had to sign back in because you didn't remember your own intro and I had to remind you, you guys are a bunch of amateurs.
1: Welcome to Amateur Hour. My name is Chris Davis and joining me as always is Ben Gossorn. How's it going, Ben?
2: Doing good. Recording late. Uh, yeah. Sure anyone else will know that but us. But uh,
1: Well, it's all dark away. and you're out of your window there and, you know, it takes yeah. forever to get dark now. But yes, yeah, <laughs> so we are recording way past bedtime. Appreciate y'all doing that for me. And uh, we got with us as well as Tim from Asheville. How's it going, man?
0: Fantastic. How are you, gentlemen?
1: doing great very happy to be able to talk with you it's been way too long since we've gotten to talk and i'm really excited just on a personal note i don't even care about the podcast but it's just nice to catch up
2: it's it's nice to get three uh arsenal fans to commiserate again we all know like we've been through so much uh in the last year of, of supporting or not supporting arsenal maybe yeah it, it's not. Like it's that not that even supporting
0: Arsenal supporting, at this but. point. We're just supporting each other. Yeah. <laughs> <the> yeah. Season. <laughs>
1: like, can you believe we picked this damn team? But uh, yeah, no. Arsenal isn't even the most frustrating team that I supported in the last year, as you know, people know. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. for me, Arsenal's just mildly disappointing compared to some others. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's for sure. But uh, we are not here to talk about Arsenal. This mm-hmm. is uh, an amateur podcast most of the time, um, as the introduction alludes to. Um, yeah, but so before we get started, um, for those that somehow don't know who you are, Tim, or what you do, uh, how would you self-describe what you do in the astral soccer scene and and what you do in the, in the greater soccer verse, I suppose.
0: Oh, I, I, I brood. I, uh, I brood is what I do. Uh, (laughs) my, um, my role's fairly nondescript, honestly. Um, I, I honestly see myself more as an organizer than anything. I think that's what, um, my soccer business card would say. Um, I've, I've been following Asheville city since 2017. Um, was at the, you know, one of the very first people through the doors at one of their first events, when they announced the club, um, I was one of the first people that, uh, marched from the high wire uh, big top <laughs> up the hill over to mission and then back down the hill and back up. Wait, we only did that hike once. <laughs> <laughs> we, we had big grand designs on that being a um, game day tradition and about halfway up the uh, Memorial Stadium Hill, we all looked around and we were like, yeah, this is a one time thing. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, longtime supporter, um, you know, and in a very Ashevillian way. Um, the club has kind of acted as a canvas for me to pursue, I, I would loathe to call it artistic um, endeavors, but, uh, you know, Asheville is definitely a place where if, if you were missing something at home, if you were looking for something and you couldn't find it in your own community, um, you can come to Asheville and pursue it. And chances are, if, if you can't find it in Asheville, there are like-minded people that will support you gather around you lift you up as you create what you were looking for what was missing so just earned my own fandom of Asheville city um you know the the first year i just went to all the home games had a blast actually watched with my fellow arsenal friends um you know just helped out where I could here and there, but kind of stood on the sidelines. It wasn't necessarily a part of the cell soap blues, wasn't, didn't really know any of the front office um, individuals. And then going into the second season, um, I kind of poked around and at that point had become a fairly avid podcast listener um, and thought that there might be a market for a podcast for the Asheville City team. Um, You know, they had introduced as the first step in their just play initiative to provide equity across the sport in the Asheville area. They had introduced a women's team, which they said actually made the team whole. Um, so that first women's game, it was actually against Chattanooga FC. Back when they had a women's team who never beat Asheville. I would like to remind them of that, (laughs) that, uh, um, it, it was the first time that Asheville city was whole that, that actually um, brought the club. It filled the club out. And knowing that there was now, you know, two teams, one city to cover. Um, I asked the club for their blessing to cover them. Um, not that I necessarily needed it, but I thought if I went in that way, I might gain better access to players, coaches, management, et cetera. Um, and, and started a podcast. I think the second or third game of that season um, through that, I got to know more and more people, became involved with in the Celso blues, um, which I you know continued to be a quote unquote member of to this day though we don't particularly keep any such things as membership roles or dues you know um, when we were playing at Memorial, which I'm sure we'll get to after a bit. Uh, we, we used to say that you know anybody who walks under that arch is a Celso blues in our eye um, player, coach, management, fans, supporters, kids, adults. Um, so uh, I'm not unique in being a self-soap blue. Um, it just kind of goes back to my organizing, um, you know, business card. I just, uh, try to connect people, network to people. Um, always, always, always trying to, um, reach out and find new segments of our community that either don't know about the Asheville city, um, soccer club, or don't know what the self-soap blues do. Um, you know, we, we don't, look for boxes to check off in terms of, okay, you know, we've, we've got this token member here and we've got this here. Um, that certainly isn't productive whatsoever. But, um, you know, we, we do believe in inclusivity and, and um, equity and, um, you know, we, we, per, we aggressively pursue that. Mm.
2: So the, the first question I have is kind of a, a big one, I feel like. But, of course, as a lot of amateur teams uh, didn't play last year, Asheville City did not play a game last year. They took the year off. Um, It felt like, from my perspective, I'd say a mildly avid fan of Asheville City, it was going to be a pretty banner year for the club, trying to get Memorial Stadium renovation set up, Um, moving to League Two, the, the, the jump from NPSL to League One, or not league one, sorry. You know what I mean? League two. Uh, But uh, how did it feel or how important was that 20 season going to be for the blues from your perspective?
0: Paramount. It, it was going to set the course for, I'm not exaggerating the next 10 years Mm -hmm. Um, on a multiple on, on several multiple fronts. Um, The, Amount of legwork that we had done, the Celso Blues specifically, but just truly the club in general leading into that season uh, just was astronomical. Uh, Celso Blues-wise, we had worked with the city to carve out a section right outside the stadium where we were going to be allowed to tailgate. We had um, surveyed other clubs roughly our size, if not slightly bigger. So think of something um, around Nashville city size, but a little bit smaller than Chattanooga and definitely smaller than Detroit. Um, But we had surveyed them for best practices. We had looked into different options of how to create outreach we had used our experiences with our pride raiser campaign to try to mirror that to reach out to other segments of our community that we hadn't quite tapped into yet Uh, we learned a lot we listened a lot Um, we we made ourselves uncomfortable you know we we did that on purpose and by design to try to create that equity that we knew uh, just to be honest up to that point maybe we hadn't done that great at um in addition to that the club itself had oh i actually recently on my own podcast i had spoke to uh, coach mick of the men's team and off air we kind of talked about the lost 2020 season and and he told me you know flat out he's like you know we were going to win a national championship that year mm-hmm. uh, we we had announced most of our players the way that the division had kind of shook out the deep south division it, it it's a very even though tormenta is a two-time defending champion it already you can see just from the games being played this year it's just going to cannibalize itself so um you know coming in nobody really knowing what Asheville city was about he had such 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 high hopes for the men um on the women's side we felt very very similarly um we were, we had brought back several multiple year starters um, we we had brought in several players that um i don't know that the the wpsl carolinas division was going to know what was going to hit them and all of that just like you had alluded to was kind of happening in the face of this community outpour of support of the club where the city of Asheville itself was dithering and dragging its feet and doing everything seemingly seemingly it could to prevent memorial stadium from being used as a venue that was going to allow Asheville City to grow, um, whether that be because of the immediate neighborhoods that surrounded it, which we we might get to, but I, I'm so conflicted there um, that we we did have one side of the neighborhood on our side. Or that's I let me backtrack. That's not the right way to put that. Um, we we had them. Um, sharing our vision for what we wanted to do. Um, we had not, unfortunately, been able to tap into the other side yet, but it was definitely on the plate. It was definitely a priority for us. And it's part of the reason we 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 created this tailgating opportunity um, that had been suggested to us by other clubs, because, you know, it's not just about the 90 minutes on the pitch. It's everything that leads up to it. It's actually the journey. You know, the, it's not the destination. It's the journey. Uh, literally here, it was going to be the journey to the 90 minutes that was going to make or break this club. And Asheville City, I'm very proud to say, you know, the club that I support, uh, Asheville City was the very first sporting organization in the country to cancel their season in the face of COVID-19. That was done for a variety of reasons, Um, housing, transportation, college players. um, But by far the number one resonating ringing uh, reason that that happened is the hospitality kind of uh, bedrock that exists here in Asheville. And we knew if COVID-19 was as bad as they were saying it was going to be, and sure enough, it it 100% proved to be, if not worse than they thought it was going to be on March 24th, 2020, when Asheville City pulled the plug, um, they knew they could not put their sponsors in a position to pay their employees or sponsor a soccer team that may or may not be able to have fans in the stands they cannot ask the city of asheville to allow fans to have to choose whether they put their sons and daughters at risk and bringing them to a soccer game these are all the reasons that i think you saw us other usl league one championship clubs um, and the league itself pushed their seasons back and push it back and delay it and delay it and eventually, you know, pick up here and there or create bubble tournaments with MLS, and WSL and NISA. Um, you know, everybody was able to figure it out. On March 24th, 2020, there was just none of that. And Asheville made the very, very painful decision to go ahead and pull that plug.
1: Yeah, I actually have a question about that. Um, something I noticed uh, when I was, uh, interning at the, uh, Carolina champions league this past, uh, spring, the one club of our entire league that, uh, didn't start participating until I don't know the exact time, but it was towards the end of the season was the Asheville shield and their, uh, all their clubs. And I, I just wonder, do you feel like it's a certain thing about Asheville or a mindset of people in that area that, um, kind of like I don't, I don't know how to put it, but to me, like when Asheville City came out and was the first club, like you said, first sporting that was like, you know, we're not going to do anything. To me, that was a club facing reality and putting health ahead of, you know, money. And I was wondering, do you think that that has something to do with that, uh, you know, with Asheville as a whole, or are just two great run organizations that care about people, or both?
0: I would like to think we're just a city that believes in science. Yeah. Um, you know when when it comes down to it uh, we uh, kind of pretty much across the county i mean there was a challenging period there where the county commissioners began to encourage the tourism development authority to to start soliciting um tourists back into town and and that was very contentious and, and debatable here in town and i i think there were some bad decisions made i mean it was all in an effort to keep business owners, whether small large employees keep their heads above water. Um, but I, I, theres um, there's a tweet from a woman. I think she was from Tennessee. It, it maybe came out and I, I think she tweeted it out in I don't know, goodness gracious, August. October, November, and she said something about, um, you know, if, if you ever go to Asheville, the locals are gonna treat you like crap. It's the maskiest mask place in the country <laughs> that I've ever been to. And and just locals across the city just started retweeting it as a badge of honor, um, badge of courage in the face of the, uh, you know, tourism onslaught that we face. So it, it doesn't surprise, I didn't know that about the Asheville Shield, but it doesn't surprise me whatsoever. Um, the, I, I would say the vast majority of the people in the county um, played it safe, even at their own detriment, even at their own financial loss. Um, I, I know several of the nonprofits that I either um, were board members of or supported throughout this. Um, it was very hard to solicit donations. It was very hard to solicit sponsorships. And, you know, working or boards that were just boards of directors became working boards and actually, you know, got dirt underneath their fingernails. Um, everybody kind of, tightened their belts a little, buckled down, um, did what we could, tried to help each other out. Um, you know, it wasn't universal. It, that, that's absolutely true. Um, I know, especially in the face of last November, um, you know, it got very contentious. Um, there was um, discord amongst different segments of the community, but um, yeah, I, I think it really boils down to, you know, we believed in the science and we just tried to take care of each other.
1: Yeah. I mean, that that's great. Cause I mean, that, that's something that, frankly, on a personal note, has just frustrated me about this whole pandemic is it really feels like a lot of the, the this has been drug out so much just by people being impatient and not listening to the science. And mm-hmm. while I get it, it's hard to not everyone has the luxury to be able to lock themselves up. I mean, you know, Ben, you're, you're a you're frontline worker, I think is what they call it. But like yeah. the fact of the matter is, if everyone conducted themselves the way that, you know, the experts are talking about we would have a lot less casualties and a lot less people dealing with stuff like long covid and i just felt like it couldn't have been a coincidence that asheville city was the first you know sporting organization to cancel their season and uh that you know that club in asheville was the only one who didn't participate and don't get me wrong our league was safe like we i don't believe we had any issues and whenever there was any sort of you know whiff of covid being within a team the whole team quarantining themselves and Mm -hmm. all that And to my knowledge, we had no incidents whatsoever from one of our events, but I just noticed that Asheville staying back and waiting until there's more vaccinations. i just thought, you know, that's amazing. It can't be a coincidence and maybe spoke to the culture of the city itself.
2: So from your perspective too, I'm really curious, having that amount of time in between being able to see your team play in person and and or even even on t v because you weren't even obviously able to to watch any stream games or anything like that has has that experience changed the way you view soccer changed the way you view, view the importance of it the what astral city means to you or or how has that shifted the way you view soccer i suppose
0: you know i i wish i had a a well-spoken soliloquy about how it um, deepened my pride or um, you know I redoubled my effort in the in the face of it generally I I think it put things more in perspective if it makes sense to say while I missed the games obviously I missed the the un unridiculously you know just sweltering hot evenings at memorial um, in the middle of june and july i i realized that again like i was just saying i missed the journey more than the destination it was the um, banner painting nights it was the slack channel conversations preparing ridiculous chants at 12 you know 12 in the morning with a with a good buzz going on um, it was the, uh, you know, banter back and forth with the Milltown operatives um, RIP. And I, I realized that, yes, of course, I, I want to see the, the men and the women, the women and the men get out there on the pitch and battle for the city. And I know that because of firsthand reports from them and anecdotal stories that have been relayed to me, um, that they, the fans themselves have created a, um, a marketing. Yeah. The, you know, the fans themselves are a marketing wing of the club. When, when the coaches go out to recruit players, when players recruit players, that's, that's actually something that I hadn't really thought of for, um, a long time. And I'm hearing more and more about, and of course it makes sense. And maybe I'm just naive, not having realized it before, but how, when a player, you know, what uh, UNC women's player um, ages out or, or, you know, graduates from college and therefore doesn't want want to continue on with her career, Um, you know, but she has a locker room full of teammates who are juniors or sophomores and they're asking her, um, you know, opinion on, well, you know, where should I go? Should I go to Virginia? Should I go to Florida? Should I go to Georgia? No, you need to go to Asheville because, you know, where else can you go? That's more fun than Asheville in the summer. Um, Management's top, you know, top notch. And good God, you're gonna play in front of the best fans in the Southeast, if not this side of the Mississippi at this level. Um, and and so I of course I miss all that, but it it really did kind of click into place that it, it's the stuff that happens outside of the pitch, it's the stuff that happens outside of the stadium that I guess just resonates a bit more. Um, I feel like that's the impact that this club is actually in the long run creating. Yes, we're creating professional players, you know, Jennifer Cujo, um, Parker Siegfried. I, I, you know, the, the quote unquote path to pro hashtag like Asheville is going to become a factory for producing professional players here before too long. And that's always been day one mission statement of this club. Um, and I, I, they're going to get there. And they are absolutely, whether the, the men move up to League One or, or the women eventually um, move on into some sort of um, more you know lower league for the women, um, D3, D2, the club's going to get there and the club's going to do a fantastic job with that. I, I feel like that part of the story is, is being told and being executed. Th- that's not where my influence that's not the realm of where my influence lies. My my influence, my my networking, my connecting, my organizing. Um, that's all going to exist in the community. That's all going to exist. Um, you know, uh, being a gospel of the Just Play initiative and helping to provide equity across the um, community, you know, to the sport. Um, it's going to exist in organizing and executing um, Pride Raiser campaigns or um, other initiatives like that. So I... Again, I, I would love to tell you that, um, you know, the, the first game that I get back out there, um, you know, I'll be able to bang a drum and pull a smoke and drink a beer and and just stare at the stadium lights and, and, and breathe it all in. Um, I, I actually wasn't at the uh, first home game. My mother-in-law passed away and so I missed. And that unto itself was a very moving experience because um, you know, I had an entire community that rallied around my family and passed on condolences and lifted us up, made accommodations for us. Um, I got to tape a, um, intro to the season and it was one of the very first things that the club showed on the um, YouTube uh, broadcast during the pregame show. Um, and that's, I mean, that's what it's about. That's the family. That's the, um, when, when we say belong, believe be blue, um, that's, that's what it's about.
1: Well, I mean, that sounds really great in both unfortunately before uh we can continue we are amateur hour not professional hour so i'm too cheap to pay for um upgraded uh, zoom and it's going to end soon so i think this might be a good little break uh i'll send an invite and we'll get started with part 2 right after this and we are back for uh, part 2 and now our people have switched on my screen so probably while well in the recording too um <laughs> but uh tim you were talking about kind of how uh dealing with the pandemic and everything and leading into the season um, I I was kind of curious. I mean, I know you said you hadn't been to a game yet. Um, uh, Condolences to your um, Um, mother-in-law. What's the buildup been like for you to get back out into the, you know, mode of going out there? You know, the pandemic's still going on. You know, it's gotten better, thank goodness, but it's not over yet. What's that whole process been like for you as a fan?
0: Excitement, um, obviously. um, Delayed, belated excitement Mm -hmm. it was very bittersweet slash frustrating watching all of the um, leagues open up last year and allow fans to come back um i definitely thought there was a a little bit of a preemptive celebration of allowing fans back in um you know you saw incidences um I don't know, maybe they were in Texas. I can think of maybe one in Louisville um, where, where fans masked while they were active or, you know, unmasked while they were actively drinking, but yelling at players who were doing, um, you know, uh, performing throw-ins or things of that nature, fairly close. And then obviously maybe the players are always tested, but, you know, beyond maybe a, um, a temperature scan who knows about the fans. So it, it definitely was bittersweet. I was so glad to have sports and to have the distraction. Um, I thought most of the leagues um, did fairly well. I did think it was fairly comical the way USL, both League One and Championship, ended their seasons last year. <laughs> I'm very, very proud of NISA and the NWSL for pulling off fantastic bubble tournaments where, um, I mean, by all accounts, there was if there was any positive cases, I can't think of any. Um, they, mm. they definitely did it the right way um, you know, without fans and, and very safely in those environments. Um, you know, and, and by this point, everybody has, everybody else has started, you know, um, Asheville is also one of the only clubs that I can think of, if not the only one that I'm aware of, there, there might be others. Um, we also didn't have any friendlies. Our mm-hmm. first game back, um, it was on the road, But it it was our first game back, you know, when we Mm -hmm. were playing Tormenta, two-time defending champions who had been playing together for a month because, you know, they're basically just the top tier, um, you know, U23s or whatever of their academy system. So that 4-0 thumping that we took was, Mm -hmm. you know, probably commiserate with the fact that we had only been practicing for one week. um, Still didn't have our best, or not our best players, but kind of a, we didn't have our best starting 11 out there yet. so it it's definitely exciting. Um, I I know those that did go um, this past Saturday. Just I, you know, I know them very well. I know their um, uh, whether whether they're behind a mask or not. Um, I I know their faces. You know, from having watched um, Premier League games with them or watching other Asheville games with them and. Um, you know, I could watch a game on mute and kind of just watch the fans and kind of know what's happening on the pitch just from their reactions. And, you know, if Mike throws his hands up or Greg just buries his hands, head in his hands or, you know, John spins around and walks away from the pitch. I know what all of that means. And mm-hmm. I, they were they were in midseason form already. <laughs> I, I will say and I I don't know how to interpret this yet. Um, I know on a personal level, I'm a little disappointed. But I also know that I need to show, um, I, I guess, grace, even even if maybe that's downplaying or um, you know uh, playing down to the the term a little bit, um, given the situation. But I don't know that there was ex- as much excitement in the general community for Ashville City coming back as I had truly hoped there would be. Um, I think part of that has to do with the move away from Memorial. Um, you know, I've always told people that Ashvilles a very in a uh, it's a very event based city. concerts, um, you know, sporting events. it's it's more about uh, festivals, street festivals, music festivals. it's it's more about um, going to the event than sometimes the event itself. Mm-hmm. It's who you're gonna to see at the event. it's it's drinking in the sun, it's it's um, you know, going to the concert. It's not necessarily who's at the concert. You know, um, it's it's one of the things that we had prioritized as a supporter group. And I talked to the club about what I wanted to see from the club because I think it would elevate and propel them up a notch in in the general community in Nashville That we needed to educate our fans a little bit more. One of the things that was happening in 2019 sometimes. Um, and it definitely happened in 2018, the first year of the women, um, you know, people would be walking through the streets of Asheville. And at the time, our season tickets were, were the kits. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you bought a kit, you got to come to the um, games for free, even, you know, that's not quite how it worked. But um, and, you know, people would be walking around and go, oh, Asheville City's playing today. Yeah. And they're like, cool, I'm going to come. And then you would start to talk to them and you'd be like, yeah, it, it's it's this and the game means this. And you would realize they didn't know if it was a men's or a women's game yeah and you would kind of think that's actually a good thing oh they're they're just supporting the club it doesn't matter who's playing but what you're realizing is they don't understand the stakes they they don't understand how this game would affect the table they wouldn't understand that this might be a big rival they wouldn't understand how you know this might be a six-point game you know and and what a six-point game even means and i don't mean to insult the intelligence of i think it just is a, a indication of the the spirit of Asheville, you know like yeah. oh you know drunk people are wandering up a hill i'm going to go with them you know like it doesn't a of necessarily matter that soccer yes exactly yeah. exactly um you know the actual Taurus in town i i <laughs> i would be willing to bet that not a lot of people understand all the ins and outs of you know um high level a ball but Dashville tours always do extremely well attendance wise. You know, it's it's just nice to get out in the sun, drink a couple beers, eat a hot dog, and and watch some sports. And I, there's nothing wrong with that. There there is absolutely nothing wrong with that whatsoever. It's then incumbent on the club or the supporters to educate those fans while they're there and explain to them what those games mean, what, what it means to the players, how, you know, why this is happening, why that's happening, um, you know why, why a draw, you know, like, oh, soccer is not an American sport, they tie. Well, no, ties are sometimes good things, you know, draws are sometimes good, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So leading into this season at a new stadium, um, gorgeous, gorgeous pitch, by the way no infrastructure around it whatsoever and of course it's a small liberal arts college you know it's it's not necessarily uh known for its robust sports program though the baseball and basketball team do very well um and and the the soccer team has had success in the past but just not enough to warrant the um i guess expense of um um, endowment um, building out that infrastructure of the soccer stadium so it's it's very bare bones the club built it up a little bit um, I, you know, at the present moment, we're only allowed to have 300 fans there. Um, there's, uh, I, I think about half of that is season ticket holders. So, um, you know, at the moment there, there's not a whole lot of tickets that, that obviously was a decision made preseason, um, you know, maybe even February, March, when numbers were looking really, really, really bad before yeah. the vaccine. Um, so, you know, th- there's always a chance for evolution and for that number to change throughout the course of the season. But it, even knowing that you, you know, oh, I can't go to the game, you know, it, it kind of dampened everybody's excitement. Um, you know, maybe not the Celso Blues, but but the general um, community. So. I can't wait to get out there. Obviously, Um, you know I'm I'm even evolving my own role. You know, every year of this club, I've I've been able to contribute in a different way. So, um, the club reached out to me, asked if I would be interested um, in independently organizing and um, collaborating on the pre-match show on the YouTube stream. So, I'll be hosting that as an extension of the "You're Smarter Than Us" podcast. I'm very excited about that. you know, it, it's again, it's a blank canvas. People can really, truly bring what they want to this club and say, this is my contribution. What does this look like if, if I provide this to you? Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's happening with um, some of the videographers and photographers this year. There is a different streaming package. There's a different stream team um, than in the past. And, and a lot of that was enabled by the change um, of location some of that was brought on by knowing that only 300 fans were going to be allowed there so they had to lean into the stream and maybe they wanted just a different type of product not a better not a worse one just something different something more seasoned um and and by all accounts i've watched the stream of the first game and it is probably one of the most professional streams i've ever seen at a you know d4 quote-unquote level yeah um you know e- even better than what chattanooga is producing at in, during their heyday so um i couldn't be more excited um and and i think it's one of those things and i haven't actually got to see seeing the blues since saturday but i would not doubt that as more people get out there as they hear come on eileen as they as they get that that beer in them as they're listening to the whistle, as they're listening to the drums that they, you know, muscle memory kind of comes back and they start to remember like, oh, this is amazing. I can't (laughs) believe I wasn't more excited about this. But I, again, I have to go back and and show that grace because I, I understand that, man, this, the last 14, 15 months have just been hell on people. And I can't expect everybody to have, I was very, very fortunate in, um, my day job, to be able to retain employment during the entire pandemic. Um, My my wife, you know, was a nurse working the COVID units at our local hospital. So she certainly kept her job, but that brought its own stress to us. My daughter was having to be homeschooled for almost an entire year, her eighth grade last year of middle school, Um, you know, and so we went through our own trials and tribulations just through that and, and everybody did. So I can't expect everybody to be in the same mindset and have the same bandwidth to be able to contribute financially, mentally, spiritually, um, whatever, to the club as I was able to do. And again, I, I think what I can do as an organizer, as I can do as a podcaster or just a supporter, is just make sure that once they get there, they feel welcomed. They feel like they belong and they believe that it was a good decision to come out.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's really all you can do. I mean, um, it, it definitely presents challenges. Like you said, COVID kind of, I think, threw a lot of us all off. I mean, obviously, the, but just in general, like with soccer fandom, it's kind of went real weird for me personally. And part of why I wanted to do this podcast again was to kind of reinvigorate it, to be honest. Um, but uh, so you mentioned the the challenges of moving to the new stadium. Um Is there any like hope for Memorial being back in the picture down the road or does it look like where you're at now is going to be the home for the foreseeable future?
0: Uh, Honestly, your guess is as good as mine. Mm -hmm. Um, there are, there's facts, there's opinions and there's speculation. Um, Mm -hmm the the facts are in 2016 the city voted and passed a bond for 4.1 million dollars to renovate memorial stadium this was in november of 2016 um the club had maybe been announced um i don't know that that was on anybody's name or mind um i actually think the club was announced on november 11th 2016 so i don't think it had even been announced yet um but i mean that also just shows you know, it was overwhelming. It was like 70 to 30 that the bond was passed. So that really shows you what Memorial means to this community in Mm -hmm. terms of a, um, you know, stadium that's used for beer city cup or just lunchtime pickup games or ultimate Frisbee lacrosse training. Uh, It's not just for Asheville city. And that's the part that I frustrates me so, so, so much when people um, misinterpret the club's endeavors to, to build out that stadium in such a way that it can be utilized by the club because they think it's a very selfish pursuit, but they're not seeing the ancillary benefits of being able to host concerts there or um, you know, larger sporting events and, and welcome things to Asheville. That we haven't been able to host in the past um you know There, uh, one of our um, city council women julie mayfield said in 2000 i want to say 18 uh, in a city council meeting you know there's an overwhelming feeling that downtown is no longer for locals Hmm. that's not a lie that is absolutely the truth you know there are long stretches of times weeks sometimes that i just don't go downtown and it's not and i work downtown you know, mm-hmm. but I I don't I don't patron the businesses. I don't I you know I, when I go to my when I go to the pub or something. It's on the outskirts in River Arts or, or somewhere around there. And a lot of times be, it's because there's parking and, and prices are just a little bit cheaper and and you don't have to deal with the hustle and bustle. And that's not to say that there aren't amazing restaurants and there aren't amazing sights and sounds downtown. Um, and and when there are things that draw me there, I want to go there. And Asheville City is one of those things. Concerts at Memorial would be one of those things. Mm. So, you know, and and I think the majority of the city agrees with that, hence that bond being passed in 2016. Now, that was in 2016 and $4.1 million. It was a seven-year bond that the, they basically had seven years to execute it, 2016, mm. which means it now only has about a year and a half left, two and a half years, Um and I don't know if you've paid any attention to construction prices, lumber prices, but in 2022, $4.1 million is not going to get you what it was going to get you in 2016, nor is it going to get you what it was going to get in 2019 yeah. when they asked for public input. and overwhelmingly the community came and said yes we want this to be a place that Asheville City can play that they can execute their um, ambitions that they can grow into what the city what we believe the city can um, support in terms of another professional sports um, franchise that's for you Jim Um, (laughs) you know and the city drug drug their feet and and again it, it comes back to the community response um, specifically, the South End, and this is just a, a a political minefield. It's a community minefield, and the pandemic just exasperated all of it. Um, you know, between the racial reckoning that the city did, um, you know, in in the face of tearing down the Vance Monument, which I couldn't be more supportive of. Um, a monument that was, you know, named after a um, confederate sympathizer governor we had, uh, you know, whether it be the reparations that the city council voted on and then have done almost nothing with, you know, there's some information sessions that are on the horizon, but, um, you know, they they were coming up on a year without a single dollar of that being spent. and And here's an entire section of our city that has been marginalized and shoved into a corner and had their lands taken away from them, um, had opportunities stripped away from them, and they are on the edge of a stadium um that, you know, again, to be perfectly honest, is viewed as a white sport in this country. Mm. And I mean that it, it is just a difficult, difficult spot. And and to be quite honest, if that ends up eliminating Memorial in the future as an option for Asheville City I don't know that there can be any hurt feelings. Um, we did it, you know, I say we, as the, as the city itself did it to ourselves. And I, I don't know what to say about that. I, you know, I, it, it's such a tight spot and, you know, um, over the last year from what I've I've listened to and I've learned and unlearned and relearned and I, I think they're right. And And I wish there was more we could do to meet them where they're at and try to you know, show them that this could be a tool, um, you know, to, to provide more connective tissue in our communities and and show them that they can take a part in this. And it's, it's not what it's like in other cities and States, but I don't know that it's not. So Hmm. it, it, it's a tight spot. Um, uh, that said, um, a combinations of factors this year, we were going to play in 2020, um, at Memorial, but a combinations of factors this year, obviously the way that the leagues, um, require you to build out your schedule, you have to have confirmation of dates and things of that nature, months and months and months in advance, you know, that the AG, the USL AGM, I think is in, I don't know, January, February. So you have to have confirmed dates at that point. And mm. the city still, the city of Asheville that owns Memorial still is not allowing, um, public gatherings on uh, city-owned lands, you know, festivals, concerts, um, sporting events, beer city cup is coming back at a labor day. Hmm. I think they felt fairly confident in allowing that, but they didn't, they didn't okay that in January, you know, when, when, you know, my wife was telling me they're opening multiple units on, in the hospital to deal with the yeah. influx of, of COVID patients. So they, they had to make the pivot to Greenwood, um, the the other factor was, of course, they did. Um, Astroturf. The the company put in a bid to help resurface memorial, um, and that's coming in. I think at like eight hundred k, nine hundred k, something like that. I'm very confused by that because I don't quite understand why you would resurface and fix the uh, drainage. Which, oh, lord. Thank God they're fixing the drainage up there. Um, if if I ever have to squeegee another artificial turf field, it it will be too soon. Um, but I don't know why you're doing that. If theoretically, when you come in to spend the other, and I don't know if that's coming out of the bond, if you're going to spend the other three point two, call it two million. Um, if you're just not going to tear that turf back up, if you're just going to ruin it, you know, redoing the stands, bringing in trucks, bringing in dirt, I, I, it, it just does not seem to have a cohesive plan going forward. And there is an expiration date on this bond. So I don't understand the the longevity, the long-term plan um, that they have in place, but between those two factors, between the refurbishing of the turf and and them not allowing um, you know city gather or gatherings on city-owned property we weren't going to be able to play anyways now going into next year into 2022 i, I mean uh, greenwood is a fantastic again it is a gorgeous gorgeous green pitch It um uh, ben was uh, Furman's pitch grass right it was yeah yeah that's what it reminds me of that very mm-hmm. just kind of classic understated collegiate super clean not super fancy it's not really built out for a lot of spectators um, bare minimum infrastructure, but, um, you know, it's not a long-term solution. Mm. Could we be there for several seasons as we investigate a long-term solution? I think it's a very, very good possibility. Um, would the club want to go back to Memorial if, if it's an option? Yes. A hundred percent. Um, you know, and at Memorial, there's always that double hint or that double-edged sword too of, um, you know, you, you twenty five hundred person capacity, which we've hit a few times in our existence. Um, it's just downtown, and I think people really really dig that. You can go out to the breweries beforehand. You can meet up with your pals. You know, you can you can grab some dinner, walk up the hill. Um, it's an enjoyable Friday or Saturday night in Nashville. Mm. Greenwood doesn't really provide any of that. It's on the edge of UNCA's campus. And obviously they don't want hundreds and hundreds of people driving through campus. So it's not a very big campus. Um, so they, they have you kind of come at it from the side as it is. And the side that you come at it in, there's just nothing around there, restaurant or bar wise whatsoever. Of course not. It's just not a part that, that you would want that. So yeah. it's kind of difficult to, to meet up beforehand and, and do things. Um. I, so yeah, I mean, six of one, half a dozen of the other. Um, I, I don't know what that means for the long-term prospects of the club. Uh, you know, <laughs> if if you really want to make yourself sick, start looking at you know property prices in Asheville right now. Um, if the housing market and construction business is crazy, property prices anywhere near downtown Asheville um, are are just sky high at the moment you know long-term local businesses are fleeing downtown looking for better rates in river arts or you know even even further outside of downtown than that um yeah they once you start going down that speculation slope though it's a it's yeah. a long long slippery slope
1: yeah for sure i mean uh, ben and i know all too well about uh construction issues at memorial of course for us it's different but yeah uh yeah it, it, anytime the a government has to get involved with constructing things or getting the plan put together. It's always a mess. It's never how it's supposed to be, which seems kind of crazy to me. You would think you would have to be held accountable if you say you're going to do a thing and not do the thing, but you know, that's just the way it works apparently. But, um, yeah. so, um, this might be a question for like next year, to be honest, uh, just cause if, you know, with 2020, everything's kind of frozen in a way, but I was curious, um, Has your perspective on the club moving on the men's side from NPSL to USL changed (laughs) at all? Uh, is it? I I, personally, I wonder if this might be something to ask you once you've actually been in USL more than a couple games. Um, even though it's been more than a year since the change happened, uh, (laughs) he's getting another beer ready. Yeah, I was not watching on YouTube, he just. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um oh man what a what a heavy 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 question Um Yes and no um I I think in the overall oh gosh if if I were to describe to someone who didn't truly understand the soccer landscape and I I dare to say even the vast majority of soccer fans in this country don't actually understand the mechanisms and pulleys and levers and everything that happens in this country. Um, yeah. We were talking, I was talking to my friend, Zach Hines, our friend, Zach Hines earlier today. And he was like, yeah, I, I described some to my wife last night. And I was like, and she didn't pack a bag and leave you in the middle of the night. <laughs> like, you know um, it, it's so convoluted. It's so terrible. Um, and therefore in in believing things um what's the saying you know um uh, strongly felt opinions loosely held i think as a pundit as a a piner on the sport in this country um, you know i had somebody once tell me to the the things you need to question are actually your diamond absolutes if you are so convinced of something that you believe you are a hundred percent correct, that there is no room for compromise, that there is no room to have a good faith conversation, debate about it, those are actually the things you need to question. Mm-hmm. And for a while there, I, I was—I don't believe I've ever in my life used the hashtag #prorel for USA, but I was an advocate and a you know a self-professed um chris kessel zealot for for the you know um, never went as far as like ted and and ben but um definitely believed in the things that chris kessel was preaching um and in doing so i i i made villains out of mls i made villains out of usl and so when the move to usl happened it 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 rocked me i mean um what one of the um uh, members of the actual city management actually called me and, and told me a, a little while before it was announced. And I, I remember exactly where I was standing in the hospital. And he, he told me, he's like, are you sitting down? I was like, oh God, <laughs> um, and I did, I found somewhere to sit and I sat. Um, and, and it was a good conversation. I completely understand and still continue to support the decision um, I mean, just look at the NPSL Southeast and I, I don't know that she doesn't could, exist anymore. Really? I, I mean, right. <laughs> it exists, but it's not, I mean, it's a shell of its former self. Yeah. God bless the Georgia Rebs. Just absolutely holding down the legacy <laughs> of that division at this point. Um, but it, you, you, know, for the sake of the club, for, for its longevity, for its existence, for its persistence, for its perseverance, um it was a decision that just had to be made um you know when you say club over league you you are supporting the club and their decision in some cases just to exist Mm -hmm. um I don't know that Chattanooga would continue to exist if they continued to stay um in the NPSL you know they literally had to create a league just to continue to exist um, Detroit, I don't, I think they could be, you know, they, they could be doing okay, but they chose to level up too. And, and of course, I mean, that's what you have to do in this country because there's not a, um, merit-based system that allows you to grow to your ambitions and to your sporting merit. That said, <laughs> um, the closer I get to the club and support their decisions and, and, you know, um, understand why they make some of the decisions they make and um, how they truly truly are trying to spin out 10 15 20 30 years worth of existence and programming and what does it look like when when we have to do this and that and you know don't ever let the men get ahead of the women always make sure that they're side by side you know, and, and eventually maybe something has to happen where they don't share the same Twitter account or something like that. At that point though, I think you're, you're, that's a good problem to have. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, until then, you know, don't ever treat one as better than the other, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so the, the closer to that I get, the more and more bitter I actually get about the system that is forcing the club to make those decisions in the first place. Um, you know, a, a lot of our friends that the three of us, I mean, and whether it be through soccer and sweet tea or, um, you know, the Nisa Slack channel, or, um, you know, just on the, the Twitters as it is, uh, you know, we, we have some very good friends that are very, very passionate about independent soccer and the evils that exist in franchises and, um, franchise fees and, um, territory rights, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I completely get that i empathize on a lot of levels and i understand their arguments and complaints about those things what i would say though is i think they are pointing the finger at the wrong people i think what allows what what is allowed continues Mm -hmm. and as long as the federation at a nationwide level um continues to pit leagues against each other um, they, you know, require these ridiculous professional league standards, which again, dirty little secret, almost every professional league in the entire world has professional league standards. Yeah. But what they have is they have elevator clauses and they have balloon payments and, and they have all these things that allow clubs to gracefully drop down and move up and they, 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 try to squeeze every last cent out of tv contracts and merchandising rights and and things of that nature while we have a federation that is very very comfortable accepting 60 cents on the dollar as long as it's guaranteed and they don't have to try too hard so while while i wish the wild wild west of the npsl under um, kenny farrell uh what was more streamlined and efficient and, and could have been an option and whereas i think I, you know i think nisa has a future i i want to call it bright um you know you see some of the things that have happened fairly recently with um, the michigan stars and mm-hmm. I, you know i they, they surprise you from time to time too Though, look at stumptown everybody kind of laughed at them coming back as a league owned entity and by all accounts they made a great coaching hire. They, I, you know, that I know they haven't really built out a robust fan base per se. But, um, you know, they're they're a professional outfit and maybe the best ran soccer club in Charlotte. Maybe um, <laughs> uh, the high bar you there, Tim. The high bar. So yeah, um, you know, yes and no. I'm a bit on the fence there. I, I just, I don't necessarily know that. I can look at USL and, and call them the the evildoers and, and we're just aiding and abetting them when honestly, they're just doing what they're allowed to do. And and yeah. the thing is, is they're doing it extremely well. Mm. That's the problem. If they weren't doing it well, I don't think people would have a big problem with it. But they they understand the game, not soccer, but the game that they get to play in the business world and they're doing it extremely, extremely well.
1: Well, you heard it here. Tim loves the USL. <laughs> I, was, I, was <laughs> kind of, I
0: was called a franchise shill earlier today on on Twitter. So that's yeah. amazing. I think that's uh, when you know uh, you've you've created friends
2: on Twitter yes. when people <laughs> throw random accusations. at you. Um, oh, or man. you spend more time on that than you should. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, Tim, this has been great. It's been great catching up with you. I really appreciate you taking the time talking with us tonight. Um, I'm, I know Ben over there yawned a couple of times this way past his bedtime. <laughs> no, <I> never <laughs> – not at all. And, uh, but uh really appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. Is there anything we didn't mention that you wanted to bring up real quick about uh, Asheville City?
0: Um, not Asheville City specifically. Um, I, I do just want to say um, – to to kind of virtually pat you both on the back. I could not be more excited. This podcast is back. Um, This was um, kind of a gateway drug for me into (laughs) the amateur soccer scene in the Carolinas. Um, You know, it, it I'm continue to be impressed with both your contributions to the sport in the States, both North and South Carolina. Um, You know, I, I, you may or may not know this, but I have some, very strong opinions about the city of Greenville. Um, and you know, maybe, maybe Ben has sanded down the edges on some of those opinions, (laughs) some of his own revelations. Um, I, I dare say, and here, snip this one out of the podcast are the triumph, the best ran club in either of the Carolinas. I, Mm -hmm. they they might be, (laughs) um, you know, so, um, thank you both. I, I, I'm just so excited. I, you know, especially at the height of the pandemic to go through, um, whether through Twitter, through the DMs. Um, I think we got together on a few podcasts, actually. Ben's been on You're Smarter Than Us several times. Um, but going through the D'Amico saga with both yeah. of you, um, the, the last episode of Talking Jacks with the two of you and Alex remains one of the um, probably seminal moments of me as a podcast listener. Um, I just remember listening yeah. to that <laughs> very late at night um, you know, maybe after a couple of beers and, and just being like emotionally moved by the, um, the realizations that all three of you were coming to. And I, I know that you're still kind of battling those. So I don't know. I'm, I'm just so glad your voices are back in the soccer scene in the Carolinas.
1: All right. Well, I really appreciate you, man. I, I can't wait till we can uh, have a beer in person sometime yes. and be able to watch Astral City, uh, play. That'd be great. I can't, wait for you know stuff to get back to normal and I don't think we're going to do any like stadium tours and atmosphere stuff this year because like you said 300 capacity uh, I don't know how much atmosphere that can bring (laughs) Um, and also just safety concerns but uh, I definitely cannot wait to um, do stuff like that again in the future and hang out up in Asheville because I mean you already know they're pretty much the reason I am into amateur soccer is Asheville City so yeah always have a special place in my heart
0: we'll be glad to have you (laughs)
1: <laughs> All right, well, um, I still don't remember how to do outros or whatever. Yeah, so this know. has been amateur Hour the That's the been. Show, uh,
2: you can log off now if you want. Yeah, to, follow uh, us on
1: uh, Twitters and what have you. Um,
0: <laughs> bye-bye. Thanks guys.